WXDXFM, Pittsburgh. Hardcore fans don't want what they love to change. Not ever and not even a little bit. And I get that. I don't think soccer should change at all. Hockey should. Eliminate fighting and headshots. But I understand when fans are protective of whatever game they love. Except any baseball fans who think a nine-inning game that lasts four hours and 30 minutes, anybody who thinks that's a good idea should be put in a straitjacket and locked in a padded cell. That game, this past Friday at PNC Park, Philly 17, Pirates 5, that game could be used to justify any change, no matter how radical, to shorten baseball. Put in a 10-run rule. Make a strike got just two strikes. Two odds per inning. Play seven inning games. Use a curfew. I mean, four hours and 30 minutes? Are you insane? That's like cricket. You hear about baseball not having a clock and the beauty and the pace of the national pastime, and I get that. But that all goes down the toilet when a game lasts four hours and 30 minutes. There is no beauty. There is no pace. Just get me the F out of there. Hey, baseball game that lasts 270 minutes. Guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing Cunt on a name you can trust. Did anybody see this uh, AAU basketball game where the players just beat the crap out of the referees? Those kids should be banned from playing high school ball, AAU ball, whatever ball. No way they should get away with that, but I bet they do. Uh, Getting back to baseball, you know what keeps baseball from making any big changes? The record book. The stats mean so much to baseball nerds that you can't make a change that would prevent the comparison of stats across eras, even though that's logically impossible now. If it wasn't for stats, you could just make the game seven innings. That would be a reasonable length of game in terms of actual time elapsed. But that's obviously never going to happen. Uh, Matt Mertz brought you the list. I think I plugged them, not sure, but they should be your first choice for anything revolving plumbing, heating, and cooling. Involving, not revolving. There I go again, messing up words. I, I do think that there's some sort of brain damage setting in. Alzheimer's, uh, dementia, Something's going wrong. I feel it is. Then it'll be gun in the mouth time. We'll play my tapes for a week. Somebody else will take the job. And it will be like I never existed. And hey, that's the nature of the business. You know, I've been looking at these beer prices. We compared beer prices at Penguin, Steelers, and Pirates games earlier today. I would think beer would be more than eight bucks a beer at a Steeler game, and more than six bucks at a Pirate game. Eight fifty to Penguin game, thirteen bucks if you want a twenty-four ounce beer. Although 
Are you allowed to sell 24-ounce beers? I think the legal limit is 23 ounces. I think that's the biggest beer you can sell is 23 ounces. I could go for a beer right now. Let's go to Virgil in the Hill District. Virgil, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up, man? Hey, you were talking about, you know, the nerds and the stat guys. My question to you, and you probably don't care, but there's not going to be a pitcher, maybe one or two in the next 20 years that gets to 300 wins. Oh, no, so I'll, go, I'll go one step further, Virgil. Forgive my interrupting. I don't think any pitcher will ever win 300 games again. So, in talking about the Hall of Fame, they, they've changed kind of the idea of, of how wins aren't necessarily important because of run support, yada, yada, yada. So I would think most fans are gone after three hours in a game except for the lunatics. You know, most of the kids are home, even though it's summer. So I'm all for it, but here's the problem. If it's somehow it's going to take away jobs, the union's never going to let it. How uh, would it take away jobs? Because you, you, you probably at that point bang out one or two relievers, you, you wouldn't need as many relievers if you throw in seven innings. Well, yeah, but you'd still have a 25-man roster. The union could could keep that. Okay. I, I, I didn't think of that angle, but, I mean... You, you might just have that. more batters than pitchers. Right. and that's Because you wouldn't, need, you wouldn't need pitching that was quite as specialized. And the other thing I don't get about the whole... Then again, you might. You know what? If the games were seven innings long, a pitcher would never go more than five and he might just go four. They would have to adjust the number of innings required to get a win, I think. Right, and then on the flip side, too, with the whole DH conversation, I would think the union would be in favor of that because I, I, if it meant you would increase the rosters by having another hitter on the bench, why wouldn't they want that? But you wouldn't increase the roster, Virgil. You'd just, you just change the makeup of the roster, how many hitters, how many pitchers, etc. Do you like it better in in the fall time when the when – the, you know, the August-September call-ups happen, or do you hate that? What's the difference? I don't care. 25 to 35. Oh, the, the, the amount, oh I know. It's 25 to 40, actually. You can call 40 people up. But, uh, I mean, why, why does that affect the game? It doesn't affect the watchability, do you think? No, I, I think. But my argument is I think if you increase it by that much, you have, you have less room for injury. And, and I don't think the owners are necessarily going to go for that, but... I mean, it's it's old boys network, and none of this stuff's going to change. Well, they're not going to change uh, any of it. You're right. They're, but you know what? I'm not even so sure they should cut the game to seven innings. I'm just saying that a game that lasts four hours and 30 minutes is ridiculous. And I know that's the longest game in MLB history, well, for nine innings anyway. But there are a lot of games that are near four hours all the time, right? Yeah, and even in the fall, you know, their, their most dramatic time, the playoff games, they're dragged out and dragged out and dragged out. Three pitching changes in, in, in an inning. That's your prime time when you want everyone to fall in love with your sport and you're starting games at 839, and then what? You have you have half your kids that... Well, yeah, but that, that ship sailed, Virgil, because you're not going to... You do that to appease the networks and advertisers, and they're more important than kids watching baseball could ever be. Yep. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine is the number to call. We have Phil Bork to talk hockey at the bottom of the hour. Great event coming up on August fourth at uh, RMU Island Sports Center, nine a.m. till three p.m. It's Hockey Fest. They're going to have 
clinics, one-hour clinics for Mite Squirts, Pee Wee, Bantam, and Midget. Phil Bork's going to be the boss. Uh, going to be a lot of ex-Penguins, his old teammates serving as instructors. If you want to sign up, go to WXDX.com to get info and learn how to register your kit. That's Phil Bork at the bottom of the hour. If you want to talk, now's your last chance to do it. How can I make the Pirates a more palatable, more positive story? Tell me, 412-333-WXDX. What would you pile on lasagna given the chance? We've been talking about, you know, fried chicken and, and, and marinara sauce. What about the, what about cocaine? Cocaine and marinara sauce. Wow, could you imagine taking one bite of that? Yikes. And uh, one thing we'll get into, I, I, I'm going to talk about it with Borky. But, you know, Dominic Simone told the Czech media that Sidney Crosby asked him to come to Nova Scotia and train with him. Which means Crosby likes him as a guy, but may like him as a player. He wanted to play with him in the playoffs last year. If Sid wants Simone on his right wing along with Gensel on the left, you know what that means, don't you? It means you have three more right wing spots. You got Kessel, Hornquist, Rust, and Sprong. What do you do there? I'm Mark Madden, 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius. Yeah. Mark, love the show. Well, if I won you over by imitating Dusty Road, the man can dream. So be it, baby. The X at 1059. Double M on the X. Phil Bork joins me at the bottom of the hour. You want to get some calls in, now's the time to do it because uh, Ask Mark Anything will be the Twitter version today. We've been getting a lot better questions by Twitter than we do by phone, so tweet me at Mark Madden next to Ask Mark Anything. If you want to talk about the topics we have considered on today's program, dial now, 412-333-WXDX. Uh, I just can't watch a baseball game that lasts four hours and 30 minutes. I would have left that game after three hours. I wouldn't have cared what the score was, although it was close for a bit. Then the Phillies had some crooked numbers put up uh, later in the game to blow it wide open. But I just I just don't have the time. Maybe that's me being self-important. I don't have the time to watch a game that lasts that long. If it's a pennant race or if it's a playoff game, then okay, yeah, maybe. Not for sure, but maybe. But I just don't want to watch anything. I wouldn't want to watch a hockey game that lasted four hours and 30 minutes. And that is one thing that's great about soccer, gang. Soccer, if it's a league game where there's not going to be extra time, soccer is over in an hour and 45 minutes every time. 45-minute half, 15-minute halftime, 45-minute half. Maybe five minutes injury time total. Top end, an hour and 50 minutes. That's it. And it's action nonstop. When I say that out loud, I don't know how people don't just love soccer. That's what's great about soccer. As opposed to football, where the game lasts three and a half hours, four hours, and there's 11 minutes of actual action. And it's commercials and replay and just everything but actual action in the game. I like some of those Canadian Football League uh, nuances, the rules that I ran over earlier in the show. Uh, the clock stops after every play with under three minutes left in each half. 
and they only have 20 seconds to get off a play. That's the clock in the CFL, 20 seconds between plays. The NFL uses 40. Why wouldn't you use 20? Somebody tell me why 40 is better than 20. And somebody tell me why you like that in the NFL, you could use time-wasting as a tactic. That should absolutely be prevented. Let's go to Brendan in, in Stanton Heights. Brendan, you're on the Mark Madden Show. What up, man? What up? So I'm one of those baseball fans that will go to the game from the first inning or the ninth inning and sit there. I watch the whole game. Because to me, baseball is about endurance and stamina over a long period of time. Endurance and stamina? They stand around. Well, but for a long period of time, you gotta. Wow. You know, okay, you're, you're right. You it's 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 a contest to see who stands around the best. Well, if that's part of the sport, the fatigue of standing around. But if you the fatigue of standing around, you're right. It is epic to watch. When you put it that way, how can I resist? <laughs> Do you think if you reduce it from nine to seven, you're eliminating a big part of the sport of the bullpen? And getting rid of maybe baseball fanatics like myself. You who, see, I don't know. No, baseball fanatics won't stop watching. If you think you would, you're wrong. You'll always come back to it. So they should tailor the game more to get casual fans more interested. Or don't do anything. they got plenty of people watching now, but I get less and less interested all the time. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Pat in Waynesburg. Pat, you're on with Double M. I'm Mark. What up? Um, so in the slow time of sports here this summer, I, I got in a small debate with an Eric Carlson fan from Ottawa on Twitter, and uh, we were talking about if – basically he made the statement that if, if the Penguins had never gotten Crosby and had Carlson instead with that same team, they would have won multiple Yeah, that, that, that that's stupid. Anything else? Well, I just wanted your opinion on that. My I, opinion I, is I, that's stupid. See you later. So that guy thinks they would have won more cups with Eric Carlson with Sidney Crosby. That's just stupid. Uh, Dan Shaughnessy, the Boston Globe, the the curly haired boyfriend, the CHB. Here, here's a great sto- a great lead to his column. Major League Baseball is in trouble, and as much as I love the game, I can no longer defend all the things that are hurting the sport. There are too many bad teams. The once proud Orioles are 41 games under 500. There are too many non competitive games. There are too many strikeouts. There are not enough balls in play. Baseball stars are increasingly anonymous. Is it any surprise that MLB attendance is taking a hit? 21 of 30 teams are down from last year, and baseball is on pace for its lowest total attendance since 2003. Folks are staying away, and who can blame them? The product is not keeping up with the times, and it is not very good. That is so right on the money. Good work by by the CHB. And... uh. The three true results, three true outcomes, walk, strike, got home run, far too dominant in baseball right now. And whenever football gets screwy, remember when scoring was done in football? They changed the rules. They've done that a bunch of times over the past three or four decades of football. That's how you do it. You fix the game whenever it's broken. Baseball won't fix its game. Here's something more Shaughnessy. Pace of play has made the game largely unwatchable on television. The estimable Tom Verducci recently put a stopwatch to work and calculated that average time between balls and play is 3 minutes 45 seconds. 
That's unacceptable. It's killing the sport. There's simply not enough action. Now, sometimes when the Pirates are bet, you can go three or four days between balls and play. And with Polanco in right field, you can go three or four weeks between balls hit to right field that are properly played. No, Shaughnessy's right on the money here. And baseball won't fix itself. Baseball never fixes itself. Football has. Football's attendance is done. That's because of the politics and Trump and the take it and ease stuff. But they always fix their game. Going to talk to Phil Bork next. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. We got Hockey Fest coming up in RMU Island Sports Show on August 4th. A bunch of clinics for a bunch of kids. Joining me now, he's going to be a big part of Hockey Fest. He was a big part of winning two Stanley Cups for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's radio color man, the old 2-9er, Phil Bork. Uh, Borky, uh, it's been some summer for the Penguins so far. Sid was hitting tennis balls at Wimbledon. Gino's <laughs> been attending the World Cup in Russia. It looks like the Penguins are relaxing a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I guess that can be the silver lining of all this, of after we uh, kind of got over the uh, the bile that we felt in the back of our throat of losing uh, game number six on home ice in overtime. Um, I guess you try to find the positives in it, and that is uh, to get some rest, to heal the body, to feel energized, to feel refreshed, uh, to watch some videos of Ovechkin uh, trotting around the world with the Stanley Cup that can only motivate you. And so, yeah, I think there is uh, something good to come out of it, and the Penguins should be chomping at the bit as they start in a little over two months. Is it tough to relax when you're defending champ Borky, especially when you're two-time defending champ? Is the is the pressure nonstop? It is. It's tough to pull the plug, Mark. I remember I had uh, I had booked a flight, uh, a vacation to Maui after the second cup. And uh, I remember I left literally four days after we won the cup. I was I had booked it months earlier. And I remember sitting on the, bo- the beach at the hotel in uh, Maui, and I was a wreck. I, I, I could not, I still couldn't sleep. I was, uh, I still, uh, in the middle of the day, I was just thinking about hockey, and I just, I couldn't pull the plug. It took me, it was a week-long vacation. I think it took me about uh, day four when I was a- able to relax. But, yeah, it's tough when you go that hard for uh, three years, and uh, you do feel the pressure a little bit. You feel the anxiety. You kind of get into that, that just play groove uh, where you're almost like a robot. Uh, whether it's the food that you eat, the way you work out, and the way you prepare for games, that all of a sudden when it's over in an overtime like that, it's tough to just go, okay, just relax, just have fun, just heal the body. It does take a while. Toronto got Tavares, but who's going to play defense for the Leafs, Borky? Uh, how much is that signing really going to help? I don't know. Can Tom Kuhnhockel play D? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Uh, boy. The Islanders, that, that's a team that uh, I don't know where, what direction they're going to go. And uh, for Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz to, to have the, the reins, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I know, I know they brought in a couple of guys in Voltari Filppula and Leo Komarov but, and Robin Leonard. Is he the answer? Is he the, is he the savior that's going to come in and, and play goal for them? Uh, uh, man, uh, of all the teams I look at in the Metropolitan Division, that looks like the team with the biggest mess to clean up. Well, plus, conversely, I mean, Tavares is a great talent, but Toronto still has Ron Hainsey in their top defensive pair. I do not think Tavares puts Toronto over the top or even comes close. Oh, yeah, for Toronto. And that's a team that, boy, the rubber's going to hit the road next year. I mean, this year they're fine. 
even with uh, JT on the books. But, uh, you know, when you've got all this hot, high offensive talent, and Frederick Anderson in goal for them last year, Mark, you have to admit, he was, at times, he was outstanding. I mean, he, he, he was a one-man band at times, keeping the puck out of the goal. But, yeah, their defense, they don't really have a number one guy. I mean, is Jake Gardner your number one guy? I mean, that's, that's a head-scratcher for me, that you can have all these great offensive talents at forward that can put the puck in the net. But I think the days of old Penguini hockey of winning games 7-5 and 8-6 are long gone, and it seemed like that's the way the Maple Leafs are built right now. What about Tampa if they get Eric Carlson? I don't know if that deal stalled or if it's just uh, just the calm before the storm, if it's imminent that he's going to go to Tampa. But uh, what will that do for them if they get Eric Carlson? Well, um, I don't know if there's another team with two better defensemen than Carlson and Hedman. I mean, that's that's pretty uh, daunting right there. Um, but what are they going to have to give up? Because it's going to be a, a deal. So they're going to have to give up, uh, I don't know, maybe a Kucherov, a uh, guy that they probably aren't going to be able to sign. They're going to have to give up something special for a guy like Eric Carlson with a couple of uh, Norris trophies in his, uh, in his back pocket. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, Mark, you and I have talked before. I'm not a huge, big Eric, Eric Carlson fan. Me neither. Some people think he's a, the greatest thing, but... I've seen too many highlights, and I'm not going to put it just on the highlights I've seen, but it is noteworthy that there's too many highlights I've seen where he looks like a peewee playing defense as a defenseman in front of his goal. It's like he's never played defense before. It's undeniable how good he is offensively, but you got to be able to play both ways. And I just see too many shortcomings in his game uh, defensively to, to be a guy that you, uh, you know, give up three or four of your top players, a first-round pick, and take on all that salary because you have to remember he's only got one year left on his deal, I think around six and a half, and then he's going to really try to cash out on this last deal where you're talking 11, 12, 13 a year. That's what he's going to be looking for at the UFA. Uh, in that vein, what should Columbus do with Panarin, who has one year left and uh, appears extremely reluctant to sign an extension? Wow, that's messy. Uh, because the way I'm hearing things, Mark, is that, if if you went cap max, which the cap this year is at 79.5, let's just say it's 80 million. So the most one player can make in the NHL is 16 million. And I think if Columbus said, here's eight years, 16 million per, I still don't think you can get him. It sounds like he's walking, uh, that he wants, uh, not only to be in a winning environment, Mark, but also you want, I think he wants to be in a big city. I think he wants to go to New York and play for the Rangers. Now, we haven't spoken since the Penguins made a couple moves, uh, Borky. First off, where does Matt Cullen fit in? Do you think he's going to dress every game, or will he be more of a spare part? I don't think he'll be a spare part. I just don't think he's built that way. He's wired that way. Um, will he play every game? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he could still skate like the wind. I mean, it's, it's almost effortless the way he can play. But here's the thing. Maybe he does move to wing. Uh, and, and be on uh, the left wing with Riley Shahan to start the season. Uh, because he can play the wing. I don't think it's a huge adjustment for him. Um, it's always great to have two center icemen on the ice. And uh, I think it's, it's just kind of lighten the load a little bit where he doesn't have to be the first guy in back checking, the guy that's down low helping his defenseman uh, every single game, night in and night out. So I think that would lighten the load. I think he'd actually enjoy playing the wing. So, uh, I, I don't want, know why you need to put a number on if he plays 70 games, 75 games, or all 82 games. I think if he feels good, let him play. I like the Jack Johnson signing. 
Some people don't. Where do you weigh in? I don't get it, Mark. Why, why do people not like it? I, I get they're like, why do we have to go five years? Here's the one thing I have learned uh, about Jimmy Rutherford is Penguins don't just hand out contracts more than three years. Uh, they're pretty sure about anybody who's got more than three years that they've been bang on. They've been right on the money uh, on that player. Uh, for, so for them to give Jack Johnson five years, uh, they have to know a lot more than you and I know and everybody else that thinks they know, number one. Number two, I've always liked Jack Johnson. What's not to like? Uh, maybe things uh, weren't all rosy in Columbus, and maybe a part of that had to do with some of the off-ice stuff that was going on with him. Uh, I really don't know, so it's probably not fair for me to comment on that. But, I mean, he's he's such a big body. He can skate like the wind. He's, he's got that, that snarl and that nastiness. He, he blocks shots. Uh, like a RoboCop, and, and he'll get you the odd goal. I mean, he can chip in offensively. I, I do find it interesting that it, it's come full circle for him, kind of like a Brian Dumoulin thing where he's drafted by Jimmy Rutherford, never played for Jimmy Rutherford, but then ends up coming back to Jimmy Rutherford uh, in, the, in almost a second life here with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think also, I, I think you kind of underestimate um, the importance of having the friendship of Sidney Crosby. I think that is important. I think it'll it'll help uh, Jack Johnson kind of hit the ground running and not wanting to let anybody down. I, I think he's going to feel like this is the first time he's played on a team with, with a kind of a – he was in L.A., but he was in L.A. before they were winning Stanley Cups in Columbus where, what, I think they've won one playoff series in the history of their No, franchise. no, they've never won a playoff series. Oh, never won a playoff series. I, I beg your pardon. Uh, so I think he's going to be energized. I think he's going to be excited. I think he's going to be uh, wanting to be a difference maker. And I think he, you know, the way he's compensated and what's expected of him, I think he'll fit perfect in a five or six hole or uh, or in the, in the penalty killing role. We're talking to the old two niner Phil Bork here on one hundred five nine the X. Uh, would you play Johnson with Schultz or with Alexiak? Alexiak, because I think Alexiak. Uh, likes the right side and he's comfortable on the right side um i wouldn't i wouldn't be totally against him playing with schultze i'd like to see that combination but if if i'm filling out my lineup card today i'd probably have uh jj with uh, the big rig well don't forget if alexiak played with mata alexiak could still play the right side yeah that's, that's fine too i've seen the three and six together mata and alexiak and and they seem fine together too so I think the one thing we're pretty sure about is Dumoulin's going to play with Latang, and yes. I think from there we just kind of go uh, week to week, game to game, and whatever's working, stay with it. You know, it's funny. The Penguins have a lot of forwards now, five centers, you know, just so many decisions for Mike Sullivan to make. And it's very difficult for Sully to put together lines, isn't it? Because a lot depends on who Sid and Gino want to play with. We can't pretend that doesn't matter because it does a lot. It shouldn't, though. You're right, but you know it does. It, okay, but I don't. I don't know how much Sully really caters to that. Um, I think he has open conversations about what's working or what's not working. But I don't think Sully's one of those conformists that uh, just feels like, okay, well, I'm going to do whatever my star players want. I, I think Sully's Sully's the, the chief Indian, and uh, what he says goes, and that's the way it's going to be. Um, and uh, I just I think we're kind of making too much out of that. I, I don't think it matters. I, maybe it does matter a little bit, Mark, uh, because I think those guys earn the respect, have earned the respect of their coach where 
there is an open conversation of, hey, how do you feel like it's going with Horny? How do you feel like it's going with Phil? That they have those conversations. But at the end of the day, Sully's the boss, and everybody knows that. And whatever lineup he fills out, that's what's best for the team. Um, and I, I think that, you know, some people are saying that Sid doesn't like playing with Horny. I, I think he does. I mean, what? Who wouldn't want to play with Patrick Hornquist? Sid. The guy is. I don't. I don't know if I agree with that, Mark. I've heard you say that before, and I. I don't know if I 100% agree with agree with that. If it's not Horny, then who the he double hockey sticks is it? Because I don't think there's anybody else that's as good as Horny. Oh, well, no, no, Borky, don't get me wrong. I think Horny should play with Sid, but I don't think Sid uh, likes his puck movement and speed through the neutral zone. And one guy Sid apparently does like is Dominic Simone. Uh, Sid, uh, Dominic Simone told the Czech media that Sid asked him to come to Nova Scotia to train with him this summer. Uh, I don't know what Sid sees in Dominic Simone, but they played together in the playoffs. Yeah, I know. I, I I can't deny that, but I don't see it in Dominic Simone. I think he still needs some seasoning, and I, I think that uh, uh, that was uh, a great show of faith by Jimmy Rutherford to give him a one-way contract uh, after a, a bit of a sprinkling in the NHL. Um, so, uh, And that's very admirable. That's not something that I think Sid does a lot of. Uh, you know, it's usually Sid and Nathan McKinnon. They're they're the two maniacs that do their training, and for Dominic Simone to get a well, that, you know, that's three of a kind: Borky, Sid, Nathan McKinnon, Dominic Simone. <laughs> no, no. My my point is though, if Sid decides he likes Simone on his wing, as he did the playoffs, then you got Sprong, Kessel, Hornquist, and Rust. What the heck do you do with some of those guys? No, and that's why I just don't see Dominic Simone playing with Sid. I just don't see it. I said when you when you sign Brian Russ to that four year extension and you want to give Daniel Sprong a legitimate chance to show what he can do, you're not going to throw him down on the fourth line. And I don't see him playing the left wing. Brian Russ can play the left wing. I don't think any of us have a problem with that. He's one of those rare breeds that seems to be uh, seamless in the transition from right side to left side as a right hand shot. I don't see Sprong doing that or any other winger doing that. So uh, I. I, I don't see Dominic Simone starting the season with Sid. That's just my humble opinion. How are things going to go for Phil Kessel this year? That That's a pretty big question. Just put him with Gino. I mean, it works. Just just leave it alone. Uh, and I think uh, Carl Hagelin is a nice compliment to that line. Um, I just think if he if he's healthy and he's motivated, um, Phil's a difference maker. It, it, I, I, I think he'll have a bounce back year because I, I felt that well, bounce you know, back, he had 92 points, Borky. No, no, no. Hear me out, though, Mark. Bounce back in the sense that he'll, fin- he'll have a complete season. I don't think he had a complete season. I don't think the season ended, whether it's the regular season or the playoffs, ended the way that Phil Kessel wanted it to. And I'm sure he heard uh, the little bit of whispers and rumblings about, is he hurt, is he not hurt, what's wrong with Phil, he's disappeared in the playoffs. So I think that he's going to want to bounce back in a sense where, where he's going to want to have – a complete season and not have anybody doubt whether he was hurt or not hurt because of the way he's playing. You got hockey fest coming up at RMU Island sports center on August 4th, a bunch of clinics for a bunch of kids, hundreds of kids and Borky, you're in charge. Your patience is going to be tested, isn't it? Oh, Mark, we did this a couple of years ago. It was sold out. It was a blast. I was in skates for seven straight hours, but I absolutely loved it. We went 50 minutes on the ice. I brought in a bunch of alumni. We're going to be up at RMU Island Sports Center. Uh, Dave Hanson's going to take care of us up there. And here's the kicker. For 29 bucks, yeah, that's right, 29 bucks, 
you get uh, instruction from myself and former Penguins. Uh, you get a free jersey. You get a uh, gift bag. Um, and we got some great sponsors in Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman, Window Nation, 84 Lumber. You know the, the main characters. So it's August 4th, RMU Island Sports Center. Get your tickets now because they're going fast. Borky, you should have won a higher number. You should could have charged more. No, it just sounded right. Come on, we're doing it for the kids. <laughs> Borky, great stuff. Uh, we appreciate the time. Have fun at Hockey Fest. And Penguin season only 87 days away. That's scary, isn't it? Uh, I love that number. <laughs> That's Phil Bork. I'm Mark Madden. It's not time to ask Mark anything. Ask me anything you want about anything you want. That's up next on 105.9 The X. It's time now to ask Mark anything. Brought to you by Chipino Restaurant and Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood and chop house. And it's the home of the Super Genius Burger, named after your favorite Super Genius. So be sure to check out Chipino in Pittsburgh Strip District. Uh, first question comes by Twitter from Chris. How much dough did Mario Lemieux make on his career? What's your best guesstimate? And where is Crosby at now by comparison? Uh, Chris, it's hard to say how much cash Mario got because the Penguins owed him $32.5 million in deferred compensation after he retired the first time, and he took that in stock in the team. That's how he became the Penguins' owner. Uh, Mario reportedly has a net worth right now of $150 million, but I bet that's low. Sidney Crosby has made $109 million so far. Uh, that's just hockey salary. From Ben, also on Twitter, who do you think will win the World Cup? Ben, I think France is playing better than any of the other three teams remaining. I think the winner of Belgium versus France will win the World Cup. But boy, England feel like a team of destiny to win the year nobody expected it. From Freddie, do you like the Coverdale Page album? Uh, it's one of my top 20 LPs ever and one of the most underrated rock albums of all time. Uh, that's David Coverdale, White Snake, Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin. Uh, that partnership came out in 1993, but then Robert Plant and Page got back together in 1995, and people just forgot about Coverdale Page. But if you don't have that album, go get it. It's like a very high-octane Whitesnake album. From Sosa, with reduced minutes, do you expect Chris Letang to return to consistent play uh, throughout individual games next season? and hopefully have a top 10 type of year when ranking defensemen at the end of the season. Uh, Sosa, I expect Tanger to have a real big year, and I don't necessarily expect his minutes to be cut down. I think that's Mike Sullivan's intent, but to say is one thing, to do is another, and I think Tanger's going to come out playing great and keep playing great. Uh, Tanger struggled last season for a lot of reasons, and all those obstacles have all been removed, both mental and physical. From Richard, what's the perfect meal to order at Gibson's? Uh, Gibson's is the steakhouse in Chicago, uh, my favorite restaurant, and I think the best restaurant in the world. I get the Chicago cut bone-in ribeye, cooked medium, the garbage salad, sautéed mushrooms, 
Carrot cake for dessert. It's my favorite meal in the world. Uh, from Giuseppe, do you still buy albums digitally or CD or vinyl? Uh, that's a good question. I still buy CDs as old-fashioned as that may be because that's how I'm equipped to listen. From Esquire, why do you feel so threatened by bloggers? I don't feel threatened at all by anybody. I just don't like people with no background or credentials or very little thereof. I don't like them just starting a website and proclaiming themselves my equal or even professionals at all. They're not. I believe in a certain amount of dues paying, which I went through. From Tom, what's the bigger food file? Pineapple on pizza or ketchup on steak? A ketchup ruins a steak. Ruins it. Any type of steak beyond chop steak, which is basically hamburger, should not be fouled, as you say, by ketchup. Uh, pineapple is merely a bad choice on pizza. I usually don't put anything on a steak. Uh, horseradish cream on prime rib, I do. And maybe bearnais or peppercorn on a steak once in a while, but uh, not often. If it's a good steak, it tastes just fine with zilch on it. From TW, what's the best city to visit other than Vegas, one you've gone to? Uh, I love Chicago. New York, Montreal, Toronto, Houston. And I like those cities for a variety of reasons. Houston, for example, because they have Hooters, like most cities have McDonald's. One on the highway every couple miles. From Jimmy, if Impact Wrestling contacted you to do color commentary, would you do it? Uh, Don Callis does a real good job on color for Impact. And he's the booker, he runs the show, so he knows exactly what needs to be said. Now, that said, Don Callis is a guy I really respect and would love to work for, but really I'm just too old and worn out. That said, Impact does have a limited schedule of TV taping. Uh, In that vein, Bill tweets, how much did WCW pay you? Uh, When I was on TV, they paid me three grand a week. Uh, the two years before that, 900 a week to do internet and magazine work and other stuff. And don't forget, during that time, I was doing my radio show on 1250 as well. So it is no exaggeration to say that wrestling paid for my house. If I ever think of it, I'd put a portrait of my boss, Eric Bischoff, above my fireplace. And here's one from Joe. Pick one. Hagar era Van Halen or Coverdale era Deep Purple? That's an easy one. The best purple was the purple with David Coverdale. The best purple LP ever is Burn. That's no knock on Ian Gillen, uh, the singer before and after David Coverdale and Deep Purple. It's just my preference. Well, here we go. Look out below. I'm on the way to Ted Nugent at Greensburg's Palace Theater tonight. That wraps up the show. Please do tune in again tomorrow. I'm Mark Madden. Good talk. See you out there. You've been listening to 105.9 The X.